So, okay, so I told you I watched the latest episode of The Boys. Oh, my God. It was so good. It I hate good. that they're releasing it an episode at a time. I freaking hate it. Me, too. We started Cobra Kai last night just for the hell of it because I heard so much about it. It is so freaking good. Okay, well, I'm going to have to watch that, too. Well, I would think that Tweed, I don't know, was was Tweed, like, big into, like, 80s stuff? Like, did he like the oh, product? Oh, yeah, and a huge, huge Ralph Macchio. And, then he uh, will love yeah. this. It is, like, yeah. it has all the 80s nostalgia, but they've, like, updated it, and then they do flashbacks to the movie, and they do flat. It's fan-freaking-tastic. And my kids have seen the movies, like... I think we watched all of them once a couple of years ago and they're like, Oh my God, that's just like from the movie. Ah! And it's, <laughs> but they like poke fun at themselves. Like, uh, and like, oh, what's his name? Johnny, you know, the, the bad guys, yeah, yeah. like, he's like, the kid says, you know, is there any way I should, any particular way I should wash the windows? He's like, I don't give a shit. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> no wax on wax off here. So it's funny. Oh, uh, okay. I'll have to watch. And it's 30 minutes. Oh, oh, 30 nice. minutes. Yeah. So, Perfect. Yeah, they just put new episodes of The Curse of Oak Island, which is where they're trying to look for Blackbeard's treasure. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Moving. Okay. Hi, everybody, and welcome to That So Original podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm here with my friend Tiffany. Hey, Tiffany. Hey. We have been doing a lot of movies lately, so we're going to kind of go back to our roots and we're going to do a series. So strap in because the series that we have chosen is Ratchet on Netflix. May I ask why you're headed to Lucia? That seems like a rather personal question. Well, I'm sorry, ma'am. Didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. I didn't say you made me uncomfortable. I said the question was personal. Sorry. You should bathe more often. Your fingernails are filthy. The miniature walked in the joint. We had a saying in the court. Save one life and you're a hero. Save a hundred lives. Well, then you're a nurse. Do you wanna have fun? How about a few less? You have been subjected to enough pain. I can show you a good time. But you deserve someone to show you mercy. How different I would be if someone had. Right now. 
That's what's driving you, Matt. I should have never let you into this hospital. Letting me into this hospital was the best decision you ever made. There are eight episodes, so for the next few weeks, we will be talking about this. It just premiered on Friday. All eight episodes dropped on Friday, so we will be doing about one. Maybe we can try to double up some weeks, depending on schedules. We'll see how that goes, but really excited to bring this to you. This is a Ryan Murphy production, and Ryan Murphy is probably best well-known for his work on the show American Horror Story. And there's a lot of overlap with actors and actresses from American Horror Story and Ratched. He is also fairly well-known for Nip Tuck. Did you ever watch Nip Yeah, I love Nip Tuck. I love Nip Tuck. It was so dirty at the time, and now it's like, oh, it's kind of tame considering, but... Let me tell you how old that show is. I used to record it on my VCR. So <laughs> I have all these VHS tapes that say Nip Tuck. And I'm like, I couldn't even I couldn't even play them anymore. But yes, great show. So anyway, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what this character is based on Nurse Ratchet? Yes. So she's based on the character Nurse Ratchet from the novel One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Kesey. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was made into a very famous film in 1975 starring Jack Nicholson, which went on to win Best Director by Milos Forman, who also directed Amadeus, which, like, I know this because I took a film lit class. Hey, Mr. Samra, love you. It won five Oscars, so Best Director, Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Leading Actor, and then Best Actress for Louise Fletcher, who is most well-known for playing Nurse Ratchet, She won an Oscar for um, Best Actress. Nurse Ratchet is just kind of like an... It's not an icon, but she's just kind of a stereotype for sadistic nurses everywhere. Like, you, everybody's kind of refers to as like, oh, that's, mm-hmm. she's such a Nurse Ratchet. So we know that this Nurse Ratchet is going to have some problems just from our background of just general knowledge of this character is that she's kind of known as a sadistic nurse. So, so let's jump on in because it's got Sarah, it's got Sarah Paulson and I have in my notes all ball down because she She is is amazing. amazing. Love her. Love her. She can do no wrong in my eyes. She can do no wrong. Okay. So we are opening up on a Catholic mass. It is 1947 and after Mass is done, it's pouring down rain. Everyone's leaving the church after Mass, and there is a man kind of in the shadows watching one priest in particular. The priests are all having dinner. There's a Monsignor. He is like a, a head priest, if you're thinking about like a little pyramid of priests. He's at that tippy top. Well, not the Pier- tippy top, but he's, he's toward the top. Priest. He's toward the top. <laughs> I just Uh, imagine like cheerleaders. He's on the top. He's on the top. Yeah, the one at the top with the pom pom. And they're all having dinner and they're going to go out to a movie. They invite this one priest and he's like, no, I'm good. It's raining and I I think I'm coming down with something. So I'm just going to hang out here. So all the priests leave and after dinner he goes to his room and grabs some Vaseline and a lingerie ad and well you can guess it what he's doing so I have in my notes in parentheses he gon' die <laughs> just, <laughs> yep. 
I, I mean, have you seen no horror movies ever? Right, right. You cannot engage in sex in a tent, and you definitely yeah. cannot masturbate alone. But, uh, so, the guy is still outside watching the house, the creepy guy from the beginning, and the father's rubbing one out, and there's a knock <laughs> on the front door. He he goes downstairs to answer the door, and he is wearing an amazing gold robe. I was like, wow, I, I, I've so got it there. Oh, I have my notes. Okay, priest. <laughs> so, uh, he opens the door, and the guy, and his name is Edmund Tolson. But he is played by Finn Whitrock. And if you have watched American Horror Story, you know exactly who Finn Whitrock is. And in my notes, kind of interspersed, I call him Dandy. Like, just, I, I can't. That's his character that is in- From, from Carnival, what is it? Freak Show? From Freak uh, Show, yeah. Freak Show. Yeah. Yeah. And... That was such a terrible season and such a terrible character, but I really do love Finn Rock. He's he's adorable, uh, but not no, I think he's creepy. I don't, and I don't, th- I don't know what he could do. Oh, I think he's cute. he's been, like he was in that Judy movie that Renee Zellweger won an Oscar for recently, and even in that, he like I was like, oh, he's creepy. He's just so creepy. Maybe because he played such a creepy. Yeah, character. I don't think I can get past him being creepy in American Horror Story. I think he's always yeah. gonna be creepy. I don't know. I always picture the scene where he is in his underwear and he's covered in blood, and yep. his, and his mom's like, "Danny, what did you do?" Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, silly boy. Okay, so uh, he says his car's broke down and needs to use the phone. Another classic horror movie yeah. move. And he shows him the phone. He offers to make him some coffee. He follows the priest into the room where the phone is, which takes him through the dining room where he's looking at some food on the table. The priest is like, hey, you can go ahead, help yourself. And he ominously says, I'll eat it later. But if you notice that they like, they zoom in on the knife, like the the steak knife, because they were eating minute steak. They zoom in on the steak knife on there too. I kind of missed that. It comes back later, so... Just oh, so yeah. Well, no, I mean, there's a, a before that. There's a scene before that. So, anyway. Okay. So, the, the priest went and saw a miracle on 34th Street, which I think was kind of cute. But, and they're, they're, they, these priests are walking out of the theater calling it magical, and it's just so wonderful. Then they, you know, it's raining, so they all come back inside. And one says he's going to go make coffee to warm them all up, but all the rest go to bed. Like, go, good night, and go and shut their, and I was like, there's that same dudes down there just making coffee for nobody. <laughs> assholes but anywho but he walks in through the dining room and he sees the priest dinner still his plate and stuff are still sitting on the table the steak is gone that was half eaten is gone and the knife is gone too i they made a point to like zoom in on that one so he kind of collects the plates and goes takes them to the kitchen and then we go kind of this montage of the priest getting ready for bed and one's doing the rosary one is about to brush his teeth and two are changing in the story, this this guy that knocks on the door, we haven't been given his name yet. So right. I just called him Smoking Guy because he was the guy that was smoking outside. So we have this priest that is visiting from Nigeria or somewhere. It's an African country. But he had come and he's he's with them. And he's now he's in the bathroom and he's about to brush his teeth. And as he's brushing his teeth, he hears like the little drip of the water in the shower behind him. And I was like, don't open the shower curtain. <laughs> it's going to be so bad. But Smoking Kai comes out from behind the door and just starts stabbing him. And then, then the shower curtain gets moved and we see original priest, the jerk-off priest. is in I called the- him Father Spanx's monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's his full name. He's dead in the tub. 
so then he just starts stabbing away while the other priests kind of hear this. And one priest just runs for his goddamn life. He's like, I'm out here. <laughs> see ya. Well, here comes Monsignor, who also has a fancy robe. I was like, hey, they got lots of fancy robe money over at this rectory. He comes up to the to the killer guy and he stops and like stares at him. And so the the killer, which like I have in, I have in my notes, Edmund Tullison, according to episode description, yes, <laughs> says to him, Sister Margaret McGuire. Do you remember her? And the Monsignor's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, yeah, she was my mother, and you're my dad. And Monsignor takes off like bat out of hell, oh! <laughs> running for his life like his hair's on fire. So he runs into his room and he grabs an iron and tries to swing it at the killer guy, but he fails because he's a priest and not a a fighter. So anyways, he falls down on the ground and killer guy's over him and he's like, I admit, I admit it, I knew her and we did things, but she wanted it. And this, of course, makes killer angrier. And he's like, listen, she ended up in a whorehouse. And one of those whores shot her up with morphine and it killed her. And I was sent to an orphanage. And Monsignor's like, you're right. I'm a senior. I suffered. No worries. I, I Let's let's just pray about this. Let's be all right. And then we just see the beginning of him getting stabbed. And it cuts to a priest that ran for his life is hiding under the bed, watching it all, hand over his mouth, trying not to scream. So there he is. So, just like a typical Ryan Murphy American Horror Story, this opened, like, on insanity. And now we get the rest of the story. And now we're at a gas station. Yeah. And here she is, ladies and gentlemen. It is the one and only Sarah Paulson. And oh. she is, oh, gosh, she's just stunning. Anyway, she is in her car at the gas station. She's watching a couple make out when this guy knocks on her window like a gas station attendant. Knocks on her window and hands her a map. That he says, hey, you asked for this. And he asks her why she's going to Lucia. Is it Lucia or Lucia? Now it's I'm, Lucia. Okay, because now I'm second guessing. I watched this literally last night. What did I just tell you about <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes Hamst- after? Hamster brain. Yeah. He's like, why are you going to Lucia? And she says, basically, mind your own business. And he's also watching this couple who are making out. And she says, this is the best line. God, I love her. She says... Clearly, your tumescence has distracted you, sir. I recall asking for today's local paper because he is rubbing himself. He's he's into it's this. It's so gross. Make, it's so gross. And he does have the papers tucked under his arm. And he's like, oh, yeah. So he hands her the paper. She's looking at the headlines. It says, clergy killer nutso. And then next kind of big section says, priest murderer headed to Lucia. And he's like, oh, hey, are you like a reporter or something? And she just says, you should bathe more often. Your fingernails are filthy. And then she's off. And as she drives, we see an overhead view of the road snaking over a mountainside and then by an ocean. And she is driving this bright turquoise car and is just such a pretty the contrast this bright car and the and the rest of the scene is kind of drab and they do this a lot on this show that that i picked out pretty quickly is there are these like bursts of color right in an otherwise pretty mundane scene the, as i have in my notes later is the colors in this are ridiculous they're very rich very bright mm-hmm. vibrant against something else and i'm sure there's a point he ryan murphy always has a point to everything he does yeah. but I love that she's sitting in that car with a, she's got like a cape on it and it's got a 
big R monogrammed yeah. on it. Like Laverne Zell from Laverne and Shirley. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm old. But yeah, I just thought. But I also have, in the, okay, she's driving this beautiful car. And I was like, okay, enough scenic shit already. We get it. We get it. It's beautiful. Get to start. So she arrives at a little cliffside motel and starts unloading this fabulous green alligator luggage. I, it was gorgeous. And she goes in the lobby. At the front desk, there's an ashtray just filled with cigarettes. And the smoke is so thick in there. When she opened that door, smoke mm-hmm. was so ridiculous. And then um, we have Amanda Plummer as the motel owner. I had to look and like double check and then went check on IMDb. And I was like, that can't be her. It is. She was in Pulp Fiction. So you might recognize her, but... She looks rough. She looks rough. Yeah. So she's giving uh, Nurse Ratchet, or well, we haven't even really been given her name yet, but she's giving her uh, the tour and walking her to her room. And she's like, the place is overrun with reporters, vultures, because the San Francisco Chronicle has offered $5,000 for the first picture of the clergy killer. And then she says, Are you a vulture? And she's, No, ma'am, I'm a nurse. Well, when she gets there, she says, Do you have a reservation? And she says, Yes, ratchet. for Ratchet. Mildred yes. Ratchet. That's true. Okay. I didn't put that in there. I suck. And then there's lots of concern over the ice machine about don't take too much. I know how much is in there. I was like, calm down, lady. It's an ice machine. I said, quick lecture about an ice machine. Yeah. So then she unlocks the door of this little bungalow. And as she's doing that, Mildred looks over and she sees a man smoking and watching her. And I've got, oh, hey, it's Corey Stahl. He's an Ant-Man. He's been in a whole bunch of stuff. But, oh, yeah. So I'm like, hey, what are you doing in here? You know, you're going to be important because you're kind of a big actor. You look familiar. Then the hotel lady, who we have not been given a name yet, says, if you have any gentleman callers, I will know about it. I do not run a house of ill repute. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and she's dressed like a hoochie. Uh, so we, she's she, dressed like um, Miss Hannigan. Exactly. With the, <laughs> with the fringy kimono deal yep. she's got on. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And I like how she says it's not much to look at. I'm like, lady, it's gorgeous. Beautiful. It's right on the ocean front. The room itself is unreal. And, and, and anyway, we're in the room now and Mildred is unpacking. I just, I called her Mildred a lot. Mildred Ratched, Nurse Ratched. Yeah, I went back and forth too, I think. I called her Millie at one point too. Uh, she's unpacking her suitcase and she first takes out this, again, this beautiful mustard colored dress and jacket matching that she evidently stole from a store at some point and and they show kind of a flashback she's in the way um excuse me the dressing room and then she's shoving it into her bag anyway she's getting herself done in the mirror practicing like tilting this hat how she wants to wear her hat and you can hear a voiceover of her practicing meeting someone named dr hanover so she is driving now, and she arrives at, we see this big gate. It says Lucia State Hospital. And there's a mob of people, I guess protesters maybe. I can't tell if they were protesters. Yes, or they're protesters. And she goes through the gate. She tells a guard she has an appointment. He waves her through. She walks into the main building, and we see a lot of nurses milling around. She goes up to the front desk and rings the bell and asks to speak to Dr. Hanover. And this girl, I, I end up at some point calling her Candy Striper Girl because she's pretty, that's pretty much what she is. She's a nurse trainee, yeah, but she's not a full-fledged nurse. 
she thinks she's a reporter. Uh, but she's like, oh, no, actually, I'm the new night shift nurse. Slight hiccup, though. I actually haven't been hired yet, but that's why I'm here, because I'm supposed to have an interview at 11. And she hands this nurse trainee the letter. And she's like, okay. So she goes back to this back room while Mildred waits. Yeah, there's one little thing in between where the, she's waiting and this kid goes by pushing a wheelchair and says hi to her. And when he turns, half his face is burned or deformed in some way. It's very shocking and out of nowhere. But he's like, hi, have a nice day. And she's like, okay, thanks. But now we're in a furlough request meeting. The head nurse, played by Judy Davis, is saying this patient wants to have a furlough. He must stick with his regimen of colonics. Group therapy three times a day and saltpeter tablets. And I was like, this sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the trainee comes running in. She's like, Nurse Bucket, you're needed at the nurse's station. So Nurse Bucket, who we figure out this late, this head nurse is, comes walking out. She's like, what letter? Where did you get this? There's no one but me and Dr. Hanover. And I did not send this letter. And that's not Dr. Hanover's signature. And then we hear Mildred repeat the part she's been practicing in her hotel room. I've come quite a long way. I would still like to speak to him. Uh, the nurse says, well, he'll be back in this afternoon. Mildred's like, I'll wait. And she's like, it could be a long time. Well, she said, you just said afternoon. By your own logic, it could be a shorter time. And I don't mind waiting. I have nowhere else to be. And just plops her happy ass down into this waiting room. And can we talk about the fact that this hospital has oh this waiting area. It looks like a she-she hotel. I mean, it's yes. this ridiculous. Yes, the fanciest mental hospital I have ever seen. The hallways are enormous. The floors are gorgeous. At one point, we'll be in, a, in an office that is just unbelievable. It looks like the freaking Oval Office. So now we are with a man sitting in a hallway on a bench, and he is taking... A red pill. I was like, is this a Matrix nod? We don't know. I paused. I tried to pause and get the name of that, whatever that was, like four times, and I could not get it. I'm too far away from my TV. There's just no way. Uh, I was like, well, if he did choose the red pill, he just chose to be unplugged from the Matrix. So, anyway, this is Dr. Hanover. And Dr. Hanover is played by John... John John Brions, his real name is Ernesto Brions. He's a Filipino-American actor, and I don't really know anything that he's been in. He was in the Andrew Kanan um, thing that oh, Ryan yeah, Murphy okay. did. He played his dad. Okay. Yeah, but I don't remember that, what, that, what that was called. The, oh, right. the Versace, that Versace one that he gotcha. did. Gotcha. Okay. This is Dr. Hanover. Apparently, he ha- is here to speak to the governor. But a woman comes out of this office door and she tells him that the governor needs to reschedule. Maybe they can meet next month. So he hits the bar instead. And at the opposite end of the bar, there's this weird guy in a trench coat and a hat. And I couldn't decide if they were making googly eyes and if he was important That's or not. That's the same guy that was outside her hotel room. That was that- Corey Stahl. Well, shit. How did I not recognize him? Maybe it was the hat. So he has to be a reporter or some sort, I would assume. All right. So he orders another drink, and what a coincidence, the governor walks in and is taken back to his table. So Dr. Hanover's like, jackpot. He goes over there and introduces himself. The governor is played by Vincent D'Onofrio, and I was like, hey. I, I love, love him. Criminal That's my favorite show. I freaking love that show. 
Love him. Uh, I followed. I followed like a bunch of fan things for him for a long time. I loved him. Oh, you are super cute. Yeah, he's gotten really. He's not as cute as he used to be, but there you go. No, but he's still. He's still cute. Uh, and he's like, oh, it's the Looney Bin Doctor. He's also eating lunch with Cynthia Nixon. And really, if I hadn't looked on IMDb or I can't even remember, maybe it's Wikipedia, I wouldn't have known what her role is. But she is his campaign manager. Oh, I, I had really... that she was his wife. Yeah, she's she is his campaign manager. See, huh. I, I didn't think it was. I was like, who is she? I need to know what her relationship is with him. Because there's a little part later that I was confused over. Right. Gonna... Right. Okay. So, uh, anyway, they're eating together. And she plays Gwendolyn Briggs is her name, Miss Briggs. Anyway, Dr. Hanover says, you keep rescheduling on, on me. Apparently, this has been going on for months now. Can we just talk really quickly? And the governor says, sure, you have until the drinks come. So he sits down really quickly, and he's obviously asking for funding. But almost as soon as he starts his little spiel, the drinks come. Governor could not care less. But when he leaves, we see Miss Briggs kind of turn around, and she's a little bit interested in, in what he was talking about. Right. So then we're back at the hospital and Mildred is still waiting. She's still waiting. And we see this trainee, the nurse trainee. Apparently her name is Dolly. And she's putting on oh, okay. this bright lipstick that looks like a crayon. Like the way she, it's that old school, very thick lipstick. And Mildred shares like a really awkward glance with a black orderly. I don't know. They look at each other and they, cause he says, you know, looking good today, Miss Dolly. And then he looks at Mildred and it's, it's almost like they know each other and they're ashamed that they know each other. And it's like a look at each other and quick look away. I don't know. There's something there. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she asks if she can go to the bath, go use the restroom. But instead of going to a restroom, she just walks into looks like a patient's room and walks into the restroom in there, opens up her jacket, like takes her little scarf off. So her jacket is open so you can see her neck and she puts on some more lipstick. And then she looks at herself in the mirror and says, looking good today, Mildred. Just like the guy said to Dolly in that same tone of voice and everything, which is weird. Yeah, and then we hear this banging and distant, like, screaming. So I'm thinking the patient is freaking out. Something's Mm -hmm. happening. So she starts walking down this long hallway, which has this all-black floor. The walls and everything else are bright white with, like, these sconces. And it's cool as hell watching her in that yellow suit walk down that hallway. And she sees a door that says Vine Room. So she opens the door and just walks on in like, okay. And she's and she's seeing two people having sex on a sink. And the woman that is getting railed on the sink is a nurse. And she's looking at Mildred and Mildred's looking at her. And then she just watches her for a minute and then walks out and leaves like, no biggie. I just, mm, no. see y'all later. Putting that in my back pocket for later, uh-huh. I guess. So... <sighs> And as she walks down the hall, the lighting changes to that same green that was in the in the room. Yeah. In the room. I was like, oh, that's something weird. It was a cool effect, but I was like, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it but, either. So we're in Dr. Hanover's office, and Nurse Bucket is telling him that there's a woman here for an interview. He's like, oh, get rid of her. And she's like, yeah, I tried that. She is very persistent. And... I said, he throws a vase, theatrical music, and he says he will take care of it. So the nurse that was getting banged walks back out to the front and Nurse Ratchet is still in the waiting room and their eyes meet and Mildred is like judging you as fuck. But Dr. Hanover approaches her and asks if she's the one there for the interview. 
And she, I love the scene. She is so amazing. So she, she's just like, uh, yeah, I have been waiting for you for hours. We had an appointment at 11 o'clock this morning. And then she goes into this one line and I was like, I know you're very busy. I know your work's important. And Hamilton just <laughs> invades my mind all the time. But anyway, he's like, wow. Okay. Um, and she's like, I guess I can overlook this, uh, insult if we start right now. Is your office this way? And she just walks starts walking towards his office and he's like what is even happening right now so she just pretty much invited herself to an interview i have it mildred is in charge she is she is awesome uh and they walk into the office nurse bucket is cleaning up the mess from where he had his little hissy fit and slammed the face on the floor and he says i don't remember agreeing to an interview and mildred snidely insults the nursing staff like oh it's okay you know sometimes things slip through the cracks when you don't have you know a good team working around you or something like that and he asks nurse bucket to leave and mildred takes a seat she shows him her resume and she starts talking about how she worked in the pacific theater quote unquote during the war and how she can administer anesthetic she can apply shock therapy she goes into all the crazy patients that she's dealt with who would throw scat and ejaculate i'm making my ear quick. yeah and and she didn't mind because she is so proud to be a nurse and then she says you know we had a saying if you save one life you're a hero save a hundred lives then you're a nurse and dr hanover is clearly impressed with this yeah. whole show uh, but he's about to tell her that he can't afford to hire her when she interrupts and says that she understands what he's trying to do she wants to help heal minds too and he's like yeah okay but also i'm really sorry we just really don't have the money right now to hire you but if a position does open up i'll definitely keep you in mind and she says well there's one thing i know life is unpredictable thank you for your time as she leaves, she goes by that front desk counter and she snatches a purse off the counter. The nurses are having this little... I missed it and I could not out. figure out where she got that damn purse from. It was driving me crazy. So well, I went know. back, I kept rewinding it because it's so fast that I couldn't tell if it was a, a notebook or a purse or a... I, because I didn't wait till the next three seconds where she's in the car with a purse. I was like, what did she just grab? And I kept backing it up. Anyway, she grabs this purse. She's out in her car now. She pulls out the wallet from this person. She finds the ID card of a nurse named Amelia Emerson. Spoiler alert. It is the nurse from what I call the green room, the vine room. The, the banging nurse. nurse. The nurse. banging room. I have to just say, there's this, nurse this the subtle little thing that... Just, I loved it as an actor. I just loved it. I don't know if it was a, written in it or it was a choice, but it was fantastic. When Bucket is leaving the room with the dustpan and the broken vase stuff, as she walks past Mildred, she holds that little broom out to the side and sweeps it along Mildred's skirt, like touches <laughs> her with the broom. And Mildred's face, like she, her mouth opens and she looks at her like, <gasps> But she just, she doesn't say anything. She doesn't, like, give her the satisfaction. But she's like, okay. All right, bitch. I'll see you. I see what we're uh, doing now. I did I not notice that. I loved it. I have to think that was unscripted. I, I oh. have to think. It prob like it's probably, in the, I mean, there, he's a fabulous writer. So it's probably in the that's script. True, true. But it was just perfection. It immediately showed these two's relationship and how it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was so good. 
So next we see um, Mildred. She is in a new outfit and another hat. These fabulous outfits. And she's walking. Bright red. Oh, she's walking into this yard. And there's a baby doll laying on the ground. And she bends down to pick up the baby doll. And she looks up. There's this man carrying a vacuum and a little girl walking out of this house. And she's like, hey, hi, I'm looking for Amelia Emerson. And he's like, uh, I can't talk right now. I'm on a sales call. I got things to do. And she's like, he's like, and who are you? She's like, oh, I'm just a friend passing through. Can I leave a message? Just tell her that my name is Arlene Bauer and this is where you can call me. Blah, blah, blah. So then we're back at the hotel and the hotel lady is reading the paper and listening to the radio. And Mildred has come up to the desk and hotel lady saying, you know, the killer gives me chills, but I let him sink his teeth into me and suck me dry. And I was like, oh, gross. And then so Mildred's like, okay, uh, that's very interesting. But uh, if anyone calls for Arlene Bauer, can you let me know? It's kind of a joke between me and an old friend. And Hotel's like, okay, well, how about are you going to pay for a second night or are you and your new friend going to split it? And I was like, oh, Hotel Lady's got some sass. As she leaves the office and the staring guy is outside waiting and staring at her. And she's like, your smile could melt ice. And if I didn't know better, I'd say you're leering. He's like, oh, I would say you're beautiful. Oh. So then she goes to her room. (sighs) Boy. Next we see Mildred is in her room and she has slipped into a bathrobe and she's kind of pacing around her room. She goes out in the hall and slips a note under a door and then goes back and waits. And a few seconds later, there's a note comes in under her door and she opens it up and the note has says, says, are you married? And that, that was what she wrote. And underneath it, it says, no, are you? And so she opens the door and it's staring guys right outside the door. And she says, no, I'm not. And then next thing you know, she's coming out of the bathroom in not this terry cloth robe she was in before, but this fancy long nightgown and a robe. And she says to him, I've never done this before. And he's like, all right. And so she's like, so can we, can we just sit? Cause he's taking his shirt off. He's getting ready to go. And she's like, can we just sit? And, and then he goes to sit on the bed next to her. And she's like, no, can you sit over there? Makes him sit on the opposite corner of the bed from her and look the opposite way. And she, he's like, so now what? Like, what is this game we're playing? And she's like, well, let's pretend we're husband and wife and we just had a fight. And he's like, about what? She's like, about children. You want them. I don't. And he's like, all right, so when do we make up? And so he comes walking over and, you know, he's like starting to drop his pants. And she's like, we don't. You leave. And she, he's like, why would I leave? She's like, well, we want different things. So we divorce, only to discover that I'm pregnant. You'll convince me to keep it, and then you'll die. I'll raise it for a few years, then leave it on a doorstep. And the guy's like, what the fuck is this bitch on about? So he pulls on his pants, and she's like, what's the problem? He's like, when you're ready, you know, to do this, you know where to find me. And then he opens the door, and of course he's walking out with, you know, just his undershirt on. And she's there in a, in a nightgown, and there's hotel ladies waiting out in the hall. And she's like, oh, by the way, Arlene Bauer, you have a phone call. And you've turned my hotel into a, of a house of ill repute. Yes. So we now see Arlene walking into a restaurant, bar, whatever. And Mildred is sitting at a booth, and they lock eyes immediately. She walks over and sits down. She's like, okay, I don't know what you think you saw. And Mildred's like, oh, I know what I saw. <laughs> yeah, we all know, honey. Really not that complicated. And Arlene says, oh, okay, what do you want? Mildred says, your job. There wasn't one available, so I had to make one. And Arlene, I, and she says, what makes you think my husband will believe you? And 
I feel like we kind of missed um like a line in between like yeah and, and like it, it, and like it cut and like immediately yeah. cut and I don't and I I went back to thinking I missed it too and me too uh so I feel like there was a some kind of weird edit there but anyway when she says what makes you think my husband will believe you you can see her face change because she's uh, she's almost like oh shit he's totally gonna believe her because right. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I feel like this maybe have happened has happened before she changes her tune immediately and says okay fine well what am I supposed to tell him she said, tell him this town is poison and you want to get as far away from it as possible. She opens up her purse as she's getting ready to leave. Mildred stands up. She opens her purse and she pulls out this super creepy doll, hands it to her and says, for your daughter. So kind of subtle th- threat there. Like, I know you have a daughter. I have met your husband. Like, don't play with me. I thought it was now. more also of like, you should be ashamed of yourself. You have a daughter. Oh, yes. That to your daughter. Like, yeah. quit being such a slut. Yeah. I thought, yeah, that was that too. Maybe a double entendre. Probably. Well, now we are at Hanover's house, Dr. Hanover's house, and I have Governor's wife pays a visit. I didn't look it up, apparently, so I thought it was his wife. So the campaign manager lady pays a visit, and she's like, how would you feel about your hospital being the cornerstone of the governor's re-election campaign? He's, she's like, your facility and new ideas will force voters to see the governor as a forward-thinking progressive, able to rehabilitate a lost segment of workforce. And Hanover can barely contain himself. He's like, that would be amazing. I'd really like it if we could do that. Whatever I got to do. (sighs) So the next day, he's at work and Bucket is just beaming. Because obviously, she's she's some part of this. She has helped out in some way. As he's telling her all this stuff. And he's like, I have all these things that I need to have done because the, the governor's coming for a visit. So I don't want any place in this hospital with the staff ratio to be more, more than 10 to 1, one staff member. And she's like, Bucket's like, well, that's going to be difficult because uh, Amelia hasn't shown up. And we all know why Amelia hasn't shown up. And Jackie's on vacation in Monterey. And then cue the fruit basket from hell that just all of a sudden comes up and plops down on the <laughs> counter and Hanover goes over and looks at it, and the note says, Best wishes from Mildred. Oh, Mildred, you crafty bitch. You're just a right. crafty, crafty bitch. I kind of love her. Me too. So then um, Mildred is in her room at the hotel, and she gets a call from Hanover. And yes, of course, I can, you know, I'll come right away. And suddenly she's in the blue nurse's uniform that all nurses wear, and she's on the floor. Bucket is given this pep talk to all the orderlies and the nurses, and she's like, "We have to be ready and clean every single services for when the gov for the governor's visit." And then Mildred just pops in and gets in line, and Bucket about loses her shit. She's like, "Where the fuck? Why is she here?" And then she's like, "Okay, well, anyways, every inch should be clean. Unruly patients should be tranquilized. We want this to be like a perfect visit. We don't want anything to possibly go wrong." What could go wrong? So many things. Yeah, so we see the governor and Miss Briggs drive up to the hospital. Press, the press are everywhere. Mildred is in the medication room. She grabs a bottle of something and... Blood, I, I, blood pressure reducer. Okay, I I know it comes up later, but I couldn't, I didn't grab what that was. Uh, she is with Candy Striper Girl and they're handing out meds to patients. I said, they look like jelly beans. Did they not look like jelly beans? They did. 
They're all different. Uh, The governor and Dr. Hanover are walking around outside and Dr. Hanover is telling him what they're going to be doing for their patients. He's so passionate about this. The reporters are standing around. They're like, "Uh, yeah, but we want to know about the priest killer, Edmund. And how are you going to keep him contained? And Dr. Hanover says there's an old wine cellar in the basement of the building. They're going to convert it to a maximum security area. Nurse Bucket runs up at that moment saying it's father murphy and dr hanover runs back to the building father murphy has collapsed on the floor and nurse ratchet is like holding his head and nurse bucket is like get off of him and she screams don't you ever lay a hand on me this this scene is insane anyway the father is puking up this really nasty stuff and everybody's just watching this scene unfold and she's like just wait for it and I don't know exactly what we were waiting for, but all of a sudden he's okay and he's in his bed and everybody's kind of crowded around him in the room. But Dr. Hanover and Nurse Bucket are standing right outside the room in the hallway and Nurse Bucket says that she thinks someone gave him the wrong medication. Hint, hint. I still can't figure out why the priest was taking medication with the patients. Like, was that a normal everyday thing? Uh, I don't know. Isn't isn't he a patient? No, because he was in the furlough oh, wait, meeting. Oh, he was in the furlough meeting. Right? I could not figure that out. It's like I was like, when did he take a fucking pill? Like, why? All right, so weird. I'm really trying to think. What the hell? Right now, that didn't occur to me. Wow. Okay. Anyway, there is a little bit where Mildred asked the little candy striper girl about the patient that had asked for furlough. And he's just kind of, because he's wanting that they had tranquilized because he, they didn't want him to be unruly. But he's kind of sitting on a couch and he's crying. And she's like, what's what's wrong with him? And he's speaking Italian as he's crying. And the training candy striper girl goes, well, his brother died. Well, it doesn't matter because he wasn't getting furloughed anyway. Because the nephew called and they don't want him let out. And I was like, oh, well, that's just tragic. That's that I don't, I but we don't know his story. Maybe he injured his brother and maybe he's you know we don't know what his deal is we never get that far so the governor comes over and he wants to take a picture with with the priest and the doctor this priest went through this horrible thing and he was saved and they'll be standing over his bed as the governor gives the doctor seven a check for seventy five thousand dollars which is huge back you know yeah. in the 40s he's like what why no i don't i don't do pictures and that's when the campaign reporter got lady whatever her name is Say, a dozen reporters saw a member of your staff save a man's life. You are taking the damn picture. He's like, well, I don't do photos. And then governor's, you know what? That's fine. I choose her and points to Mildred. He's like, I want to take her picture. I want to take a picture with her. She saved him. So they go and they take a picture and she's standing there. And the governor grabs her by the waist and yanks her over for a photo. And she, in the best boss bitch way, says... Please don't put your hand on me like that. Thanks. And oh, and she just kind of creeps away from him. But she stands there and takes a picture. And Hanover and Bucket are watching from the sidelines. Sidelines and Bucket's like, I guess she works here now. I mean, we can't. She's all in the paper. She saved our yep. people's lives. This is what we do now. <sighs> Yikes. So later we see Mr. Salvatore. He is sitting on a couch looking very despondent. And Mildred approaches him. She says she's so sorry about his brother. And I guess he was trying to go get furloughed so he could go to the funeral. Or go see him before he died. He wanted to go see him before he died. Okay. 
But everyone says he's mad, crazy, you know. Um, but maybe that's what's making him mad. She says, I had a brother. He was the only family I ever knew. I was taken away from my parents when I was very young. They told me they would come for me, but they never did. So all I had was my brother, and then he was taken away from me too. He needed me, and there was nothing I could do to protect him. And he's listening to the story, and he just starts sobbing. And she moves right next to him and she whispers that he's never going to leave. Your family doesn't want to see you again. And she's just telling him this because she wishes that someone had been honest with her when she was younger and told her that she says, you deserve to be free from your pain. P.S. There's a letter opener on Dr. Hanover's desk and I can take you there right now. And he's like, Oh, let's go. When they first, when she first did that interview, there was a nice pull in on that letter opener on its desk. Oh yes, there was. She was yes. looking at it, and I was like, "Oh, what you gonna do with that, Mildred?" Well, we know. Also, this guy, as he's crying, has the biggest snot bubble. It's so freaking gross. Oh, it's so gross. Uh, oh, it's so it's gross, and it's like dripping from his nose. It's I mean, gross. Kudos to this actor, but whoo, gross. So then Hanover comes running up to her, and he says, "Miss Wretched, do you take me for an idiot?" Nurse Bucket said Father Murphy suffered cardiogenic shock. That's strange because cardiogenic shock means that his heart started pumping too slowly. So he's like, that's strange because the the seal is freshly broken on this heart medication, but none of our patients take it. Hmm, weird. And you were passing out the things. And she's like, I don't know what you're you're asking me, doctor. And all of a sudden we hear a thump. And uh, Hanover says, is there someone in my office? And Ranch is like, Dr. Hanover, are you feeling all right? And so he goes running into the office. He opens his bathroom door off of his office, and there's Salvatore dead on the ground. He has taken the letter opener and stabbed himself in the neck, and he is gone. Right? It's in the neck, he's, right? He's super dead. Yeah. He's super dead. There's blood everywhere. And then Hanover's freaking out. He's like, what am I going to do? The press is here. The freaking governor is here. I can't have a dead patient here now. This is this will ruin everything. And Mildred just come, I will take care of this for you. You go see the governor. And Dr. Hanover, when you have a moment, you tell the governor you offered me a position here. He will be pleased. I was like, damn, bitch. She had this planned all along. And I was like, this is very crafty. Very, 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 very crafty. Yeah. So now we see Mildred rolling a linen cart down the hall. And this is the fanciest damn linen Right, it's cart. gold. Holy crap. And she is stopped by Nurse Bucket. And she's like, oh, what are you doing? And she says, oh, Dr. Hanover asked me to wash the towels from his bathroom. And she's like, uh, um, wash the towels from his bathroom with all of the patient's linen. She's like, uh, yeah, in case you haven't been listening, he says, we're all the same. And she's like, uh-huh. She's not buying it. So she does a quick walkthrough of his office and into the bathroom, but there's nothing out of place because we know Mildred has taken care of it, just like she said she would. As the governor is outside giving a rousing speech, uh, Mr. Salvatore is being loaded into the incinerator by Mildred. All these buildings have incinerators, don't they? Right. I don't know if they're incinerated or if it's back in the day it was a furnace. Or it's like a furnace. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Something's got that's going to burn Mr. a body Salvatore. and no one's gonna notice the smell apparently no, no, of course not. gross uh so the governor leaves later that night Mildred oh well he didn't at... he didn't leave do he has to oh wait, wait oh he didn't just leave no he didn't just leave. no that's right you want to fill in this blank right yeah he gives his little speech and all about how he's partnering with dr hanover and blah 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 and then he's getting in his car to leave and he's like 
whatever, we're going to do great business together. And then he says, and that nurse, Ratchet, tell her I say goodbye. There's not a lot of meat on her bones, but what's there is terse. And I was like, ooh, ugh, ugh. Ugh. Yeah. So gross. Yeah. So later that night, Mildred is getting out of her car at the Motel Hotel Holiday Inn, and she sees a caravan of police cars. And she, I, I thought maybe for a minute she was like, oh, shit, are they coming for me? But I think I we think, were supposed to think that. Okay, and then we, then we she, realize what it is. Right. But she knows that this is the police escort for escorting Edmund to the hospital. And they get to the hospital and they take him out of the van with the shackles on his legs. And they're like, uh, just want you to know that even though you're in this hospital, you're still a prisoner of the state, blah, blah, blah. The police chief, question mark, was saying you have to be here to undergo an evaluation by Dr. Hanover to determine if you are fit to stand trial type of thing. Yeah. Uh, or get him sane enough to stand trial or something like that. But anyway, Mildred wastes no time getting back to the hospital. And, okay, so he is in this maximum security area. He is a prisoner of the state. Not one guard. Nope. Not one guard nope. down here. None. Nope. And she just nope. walks and, on in like it's yeah. her, her. She owns yeah. the place. There's two gates. Two gates between the world and this mass murderer psycho killer. And I was like, okay, it doesn't seem very secure, but whatever. So he immediately recognizes her and they hold hands through the bars. And I am so stupid because it literally took me this long to figure out why she was so intent on getting to Lucia. Uh, she says, I finally found you. And he says, I, I don't want to die. And she promises that he won't. And so they just, it kind of pulls away with them holding their hands they put their asleep. they put their foreheads together like ivan and mac from one and only so this is her brother do you think it is That's yes a, I, 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 I i had it in my thoughts but i was like well maybe it's not oh it, no it totally is not only did i look back and see that it says the murderous and mentally unstable brother of ratchet in the wikipedia but oh. it's the the whole story, how she says, I had a brother and right. he's taken. And then how he at the beginning was telling the priest, well, you did this and this. And I'm like, oh, shit. Well, I mean, that's their brother and sister. And that's what happened to their parents or whatever. But like, if the priest like raped her once, then what do we, I mean. Stands to reason it would happen more than once. More than once. But yeah, but he said, but he made it out to be like she got pregnant and she got sent to a whorehouse. Are they like half brother and sister somehow? I don't know because I mean she was a pre she was a nun, so it's not like she had a husband beforehand. Right. It's very confusing. That's why I was like, is this a red herring that they threw this in here? I don't know, but we'll no, see. It's definitely it's definitely her brother. Okay. So yeah, Th yeah. Mm -hmm. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, episode one. Bing, Yay! bang, boom. Ratchet. This show has a lot of promise, and I am really excited to see where this goes. I had in my notes just when she's walking with that linen cart, that bright gold linen cart, in her blue uniform and her red hair, it was perfection. Just, oh, it was just beautiful. Yeah, the uh, color, I, I can tell color is going to play a big yeah, part in this I don't, series. And I love that because there's some, there's some like directors that like will purposely remove all blue or purposely remove all red just to give us, you know, a scene, a, a tone. And for him to amp up these colors is just insane. And I kind of love it. Me too. 
Okay, so we hope that you enjoyed this episode and maybe that you'll follow along with us during this ratchet journey. And let's see, do we have anything else we want to say before we close this thing out? No, obviously the next, this, our next thing will be our next episode. And I was just kind of quick trying to see if they had names of the episodes, but I didn't get that far. This episode one is literally called Pilot. Pilot. Yeah. Okay. So then episode two is Ice Pick. And if you know the whole Ratchet and Nurse Ratchet deal, we know that she's a big fan of an ice pick and a lobotomy. So <laughs> this will come back, I'm sure. Who isn't, Tiffany? Honestly. I kind of am. I'm all for it. Okay. All right. So quick thank you to all of our new likes on Facebook. We did a little push there and got a bunch of new likes. So thank you to all those people. And we hope that you don't just like our Facebook page, but you, but you listen to us and, and give us a try. We're, we're really fun, funny people. We really. try anyways. Yeah. I mean, I think we are. I think really we're funny. That, that's all that matters. Okay. Do you want to tell them where they can find us? Well, obviously, you can find us on Facebook, and that unless you were unfortunately invited to like my work page and not the <laughs> podcast page, either way, come like them both. Thanks. You can also find us on Instagram at That's So Original Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at That's So Pod. You can find us on pretty much every place you can get podcasts mm-hmm. iTunes, Spotify, iHeart. Right? Uh, yep. On, heard, uh, Stitcher. Stitcher. Stitcher was anywhere. the other one. Yep. Anywhere. All of those. And then, or you can send us an email at that's so original podcast at Gmail. Cause let us know. Let us, I mean, leave a comment. Let us know you're out there. Let us know if there's something we missed in an episode that you want to talk about and we'll sure. circle back. I mean, especially now doing an, a series, it's going to be much easier to do that. So. I love doing a series because you really get to know the characters. Me too. You know, in, inside and out. It's going to be, it's going to be really fun. You can also visit our website and at the website, that's originalpodcast.com. If you don't want to download an app for podcasts, if, if maybe this would be the only one you would ever think of listening to, although we have plenty we could suggest to you, right, right. but um, you can listen to the podcast directly from the website as well. You can leave comments there and there's a section where you can also contact us. And that would be really, really, really great of you. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll probably have enough for a gag reel this time since I, I think so. took me 15 times to say father Murphy. Wow. So I did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's the it's father murphy because i can say ryan murphy a thousand oh, times true, Fa- true. father murphy it's really tripping me up those r's in there all them r's <laughs> okay i'm gonna work on my english over the next week and we will talk in your area next time bye bye hold on you were gonna have to pause because Oh, okay, our, our, the word came to me because I was like, I called it a priest house in my notes. It's a rectory. <laughs> my notes say, cut to the priory or rectory, the priest house. <laughs> oh my God, we both called it the priest house. And so she leaves the ass, the, the asses. <gasps> she, <laughs> Father Murphy, blah, blah, blah. Father Murphy, okay, and go. Father Murphy.
Tiffany. <laughs> Murphy. Murphy. Better. 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 <laughs>